0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our live Astros Rangers Game 1 postgame show. Astros in the ALCS for the seventh straight year. Robert with Stephen Kerr. Seventy years of journalism between the two of us. We're Astros fan lifers as well. And Stephen, it's one of those games where... You just couldn't – it's like regular season Astros. they they just all or nothing. Offense, all, all yeah. offense, nothing.
1: Yeah, when everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And can I make a request? Can, we, can the Astros please not play on Sundays when the Texans are playing? Because they just don't seem to do very well, Robert. <laughs> Last Sunday, yeah. it was game two of the ALDS. Same thing. It was like they were sleepwalking. The game was at home. And you come into uh, tonight's game with the Rangers, and that's what you got. But, I mean, you know, the Rangers are reminding me, Robert, especially with their pitching, they're reminding me a lot of what the Astros did in pitching last year. You know, they're, they're 6-0 and in the regular season, and in 52 postseason innings, the Rangers have led in 43 of them. 43 out of 52, they have not trailed. I mean that's pretty remarkable, and you got to account that to the pitching as much as the hitting.
0: Yeah, where was that Astros offense we saw a couple of weeks ago against the Rangers? It just was like killing it all over the place.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, you know, you even said that the other day, and I knew it wasn't going to be like that. But my goodness, uh, you know, it, it's not like the Astros didn't make hard contact, but it was just one of those nights, and uh, I mean Evan Carter, their left fielder. I don't think he's even played 30 games with the team this year, has he? He was a late call-up, and he just lights out. And he was definitely, if there was a star of the game, I guess you could say Jordan Montgomery was also the star because he pitched well. Uh, But Evan Carter, (laughs) man, Evan Carter saved the day for the Rangers. And it it was just uh, several plays. I mean, Bregman got robbed a couple of times from him. Jordan Montgomery just sounds like
0: my butler's name. I mean, I've had a butler, you know, I don't know if I've got a butler yet, but, um, Hey, get in the comments, by the way, we want to hear from you and Jay says it hurt, especially being there in person. And Stephen Jay was with us on the Texans post game show as well. So, uh, any, anybody else out there that, you know, went to this game or even was at the Texans game, maybe you were at both games, but, um, yeah Jay jay just let us know what it was like out there did, did you think did you think the fans were in this enough you know did you feel like there was enough energy in the building because it, it seemed like there were times where guys were just kind of sitting on their guys and girls of course we're kind of sitting on their hands
1: yeah we've talked about this a lot well Jay I'm glad I didn't call your house today because you wouldn't be home all day if you went to both games that's pretty impressive but no know, he was, I, I don't think he went to the te- he was just at oh, he, he was, was here just on for the, our, on for the our postgame post game show okay gotcha All right. But, yeah, it would be interesting to know if somebody was there at the game about what the atmosphere is, Robert, because we've talked about this repeatedly. You know, you go into Minnesota, they're rocking. Arlington, you know, they've been rocking with with their home postseason games. And the Astros, it just kind of seems like the the fans are almost asleepwalking like the team. But I admit, you know, when very little is happening, it's very difficult to get up and just stay up throughout the whole game.
0: Open the roof. Open the roof. It's it's this closed roof is not helping the Astros this year at all. We're not we're not benefiting from closed roof at Minute Maid Park. They're they're not benefiting from Minute Maid Park. So it's just time. It's well, now time wasn't to the roof open
1: in Game Two last Sunday, if I recall? Was wasn't it? that the I game where remember. the roof was open? I think it was, and we were sluggish then too. So I'm not sure if it matters. Yeah, I don't know. Open it halfway, maybe just uh,
0: that's something yeah. different. <laughs> if you can do that. <laughs> 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 well, let's un- let's unpack it a little bit. Second inning, Astros, bad luck. I mean, sometimes it's just bad luck. Abreu deflects the Carter single on a diving attempt at first base. Carter was a real pest in this game. That deflection wow. helps Carter to second. It looked like if Pena caught Tucker's throw cleanly, he could have got Carter at second. Of course, Heim knocks Carter in with a single immediately. Turns into a bases loaded jam but Steven Verlander escapes more damage and you know that was a big inning for Verlander but that's just one of those where it wouldn't have mattered but it was one run Astros would have had to score a run obviously that would help
1: yeah i know when you when you think when you look back on it 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 really didn't matter because the Astros didn't score anything and you know Robert it's odd how a pitcher can look great one inning and not so much the next you know Verlander only threw 7 pitches in that first inning and then the second inning you know, he, he's. that's when he ran into trouble. And the walk to Tavares, you know, that that's pretty – it's pretty sad when you walk the ninth hitter to begin with. But Tavares doesn't walk very often. It was only the 35th time he's walked in 554 plate appearances. You know, and, and then he comes to hurt them later in the game. But it's just one of those things, one of those bad innings that he had. And I can't really call it a bad inning because he only gave up one run. It was a tough inning. But – Gosh, it was the only run the Rangers really needed all night long. Jay said there were too many Rangers
0: fans at Minute Maid. What what are we doing here, guys? Come on, don't let those guys get our ballpark. You've got to buy those tickets.
1: Well, you know what? That's That was something that I think we knew was going to happen is there were going to be a lot of Rangers fans you know, because it's only, you know, what, 250 miles away down the road, I-45? So that's not too surprising. And, and you know, hopefully a bunch of Astros fans will turn out in Arlington like they did during the regular season when the Astros and Rangers played.
0: Yeah, it seemed like it. we were playing a home game up there when, when we it were did. playing in that series a couple weeks ago. So
1: Absolutely. I don't know.
0: Anyways, uh, two great chances to score coming up here. Third inning, runners first and second for Jordan. Jordan Montgomery, the butler, gets him on a 3-2 curve, well out of the zone. Don't know why Jordan wouldn't see in the ball that well against Montgomery. Struck out three times. This is the second of three strikeouts Montgomery had against uh, Jordan. And then in the fourth, bases jam for Maldi after three straight two-out singles. And as noted by the Fox crew, Maldi actually three for four versus Montgomery at the at, at the plate in, in his career. And so you thought, well, Maldi usually there's no chance, but maybe Maldi's got his uh kryptonite against this guy. So Steven, <laughs> yeah. they 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 get him, though, on a fastball. It's right over the middle oh. that's that's a killer
1: yeah that is a killer and by the way those three hits three for four you know lifetime against Montgomery two of those were home runs and the other was a double and yet none of that came into play it's when you hope that history would repeat itself and that really hurt Robert I mean that's five runners on base that the Astros left on in both of those innings and you know those were obviously the best chances they had because from then on, it, it just it just wasn't happening. There
0: is obviously a plan going back to Jordan. There's a plan on how they're going to pitch to him. They are going to bury stuff inside on his hands, off the plate, yeah. you know, or or in on his hands. They're going to take their chances that he can't get around on those pitches because if you looked at the pitch chart, Stephen, it was it was all like not just. Inside, it was inside off the plate even most yep. of the time, up and down everywhere.
1: Yeah, it was. Now, the, that second strikeout on that curve, it was away. But, yeah, the rest of those pitches were inside. And I noticed, you know, the, the Twins pitchers were pitching a lot of the Astros hitters inside in Game 4 and, and just jamming them, and and that's what the Rangers were doing. So, somebody's been watching tape, Robert, obviously. Jay says, I bet the Fox announcers won the Rangers
0: to win. <laughs> I don't know about that because there there's it, it's there's no big help if you're going to uh see a World Series with the Rangers in. I don't know if the Rangers have much of a following and I, I don't yeah. I don't know if you want the Rangers to win. I just think they want a close series because that that gives them the best ratings.
1: Well, that's right. You you want a close series and you just think about it if the Rangers and the Diamondbacks met, you know the networks don't want that. So <laughs> they at least want the Phillies in there. And the Astros, that, that would be the best scenario just because it's a rematch from last year. And, you know, the Astros, let's be honest, they're the team everybody loves to hate. At least, well, maybe not everybody, but there's still a lot of Astros haters out there. But they'd love to watch them on TV and see if they're going to lose.
0: Fifth inning in the great Justin Verlander tradition of giving up solo home runs. He gives up the solo shot that Tavares, Tavares, bottom of the lineup hitter, didn't matter. Pestery. Uh, that's a new word I've come up with. Pestery, Stephen.
1: Pestery. Pestery. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Oh, and and let's talk about Tavares for a second, shall we? Is it ironic that the cousin of Willie Tavares, Astros fans know who Willie Tavares is. Robert knows who Willie Tavares is, right? Oh, oh with, yeah. I thought with of the him Astros whole I him the night. The, yeah. The Astros, he was with the Astros when they went to the 2005 World Series. So the cousin of Willie Tavares comes back to haunt the Astros. Uh, I I call that twisted irony. You can put whatever term you want on it, but that's what it was. I think Willie even played for the Skeeters maybe towards the end of his career. I believe he did. Yeah, briefly. Yeah. But, Stephen, there could have
0: been more traffic if Verlander's personal center fielder, you know, his his, uh, briefcase (laughs) didn't come with him and make a diving catch, great catch by Dubon there.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and Mauricio Dubon uh, again is somebody that you don't talk about a lot, but uh, being in center field, and yeah, you know, he didn't, he wasn't in center the last time Verlander pitched, and didn't seem to matter, but uh, he was this time.
0: Yeah, it, it might have been some people. Oh, I wish Brantley was in left and Chas McCormick was in center field, and I don't know if it would have made much of a difference in this game because it, it wasn't well, no. like
1: Dubon did nothing offensively. He did get. No, a, it, it, and he didn't lose the game as in a defensive role in center field. So, no, I, I don't think it would have mattered at all.
0: Yeah, no, he he is the better center fielder. It's just a matter of if you think it's worth having Brantley in there for the lineup purposes. And of course, you know, Brantley has not been good, as we know, Steven, recently, in the last few years, I guess, against lefties. And they, they started Montgomery. And Brantley was on deck for Dubon late in the game, by the way, just to feel yeah, if people missed was. that part. He was. If he'd gotten a chance to bat, he would have hit for Dubon. Seventh inning now, Verlander comes out of the game after putting a couple of guys on. He throws 101 pitches for the first time since July the 14th. So back on Bastille Day, I know that little fact mm-hmm. there, that's a right. little French holiday. And then, um, Stephen, I, I just, you know, I, I got real frustrated because Verlander, you gotta throw a no-hitter and you gotta inspire your team to score 10 runs. This is a major fail by you, Verlander. Come on, man.
1: What where is postseason Verlander? The vintage Verlander in the postseason. Come on, Justin, no hitters. They should be, you know, like as easy as Nolan Ryan throwing no hitters. Yeah, Verlander just-I mean, you couldn't ask for more than no. what he's done
0: this first no. two starts in the postseason. And what can you say, Steven? I mean, at this point, you gotta go, whatever happens with those other two guys that the the big you know minor league guys that the Astros gave up for Verlander whatever happens with that it's worth it i mean verlander yeah, yeah got you in the playoffs this year he he's gotten you in the ALCS and he's pitched well in the ALC i mean everything that you would want so far from Justin Verlander
1: yeah i mean of course we're being sarcastic we know that and you know most of the time the offense has actually come through for verlander both in the regular season and you know even in that last game in the postseason when he had that shaky first few innings you know, the offense saved him. So, I mean, it, it was just one of those games, Robert. That, that's all I can chalk it up to, just one of those games. We just have to hope Game 2's not like that if you're an Astros fan because you don't want to get down 2-0. And you think about it, you know, the Astros, one of the keys to their success is getting that first win in a series. They've won the last two opening games of the LCS, could have done it a third time, but didn't happen. So, yeah, you really don't want to go down 2-0 against this team the way they've been playing. All right, let's get to the
0: last Astros' real opportunity, and it it blew up very quickly, and this is, boy, this is starting to become a real pet peeve of me and something I don't understand. This is like uh, UFO sightings and, you know, just all those things that just kind of confuse me and confound me that we just can't seem to figure this out is Bregman hits that deep fly fly ball to, to the wall. Carter, again, he's everywhere in this game, makes a nice, jumping catch at the wall, just handling left field pretty darn good for a guy that, you know, is not a, a regular at Minute Maid Park. I mean, that that was a, a really good catch because you you had to know where everything was out there in the nooks and crannies. But what we got to discuss, Altuve not touching the second base back on his way back to first, as good a player is as Altuve is, Stephen, I just don't understand why a guy that's this smart at baseball can consistently be such a brain dead base runner.
1: Yeah. And you know, Robert, I've talked about this on the podcast numerous times over the years. I mean, this is not a rookie. This, this is a veteran and listen, Jose Altuve is going to be a hall of famer. There's no doubt about it, but it's not going to be because of his base running. I mean, he had a couple of bonehead base running mistakes in the ALDS and didn't come back to haunt them, but that's not the point year after year. We see these plays and and this was one. I mean, it it could have. You know, Alvarez did ground out to end the inning, so I I guess it wouldn't have. But, but you know, what if Bregman had hit that ball over the wall? Who knows what could have happened? So just just really really poor decision making by Jose Altuve on that play, and just on numerous others over the last few years that we've that we've had to talk about. How does this? Ha- I mean, this is a guy that plays
0: with such intelligence at the plate he guesses right on pitches all the time he knows what he's doing out on the field most of the time but when it comes to base running it's just this is something that you would think he would be working on and i i I don't know how you're not working on something like this and i don't know if it's a working on thing or it's just something that you know you you either do well or you don't would do well i mean how do you look at this steven
1: well, some hitters, I don't think, work on base running as much as they probably should. I mean, it is it is a very important aspect of the game, and we don't talk about it a lot unless something bad happens or unless somebody steals home. But I, I do think it's something that, you know, there are certain players like Kyle Tucker, for instance, he's not the fastest guy on the team, but I think Kyle Tucker is the smartest base runner on the team, certainly one of them. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, and I don't know what his work regimen is. I don't know what Altuve's work regimen is. But it just makes me think that Tucker, you know, maybe he spends more time and is just studying running the bases and studying pitchers and things of that nature, you know, and and knowing where the ball is going to be. And that's where you rely on your base coach for a lot of that. And we know Gary Pettis is certainly a great base coach, and, and so is the other one. But, yeah, Robert, it's a head-scratcher because it's it's happened way too many times for us to just gloss over it. If you guys have a thought or an opinion about
0: Altuve as a base runner, let us know. But you just you mentioned somebody, Kyle Tucker, that I wanted to talk about. He has the collar in this game, and Kyle Tucker in the postseason has not shown up. The Kyle Tucker with the baseball bat in his hand that hits for the Astros, and he, he was kind of scuffling a little bit late in the season too but yeah man he's just he's just not there right now Steven and when you look at the lineup even though the Astros didn't score a run everybody got on base except for two guys one of them was Jordan Alvarez and we talked about him already and Jordan's got an excuse that guy like carried you through the first round Uh, Kyle Mm -hmm. Tucker is just like the only other guy that just didn't he didn't do anything
1: He was two for 14 in the ALDS. And that made you concerned, you know, you, you know, you don't always carry what you did in the past series into the next, but sometimes you do. And at least for tonight, Kyle Tucker certainly did. And that, yeah, it's, that's, that's one of the things when your main hitters don't get on base, then that's one of the reasons your offense does scuffle because, you know, then you're talking about some of these other guys that have to kind of pick you up. So the more of these guys that can come through, and Kyle Tucker definitely needs to do that, especially if the Rangers' pitching is going to bear down the way they have. All right, Stephen. Uh, how, how do you see this looking
0: forward? We we got to steal a home game. You know how the Astros are—you steal one at home so you can go ahead and take care of business on the road.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that certainly has to happen, Robert, because you're going to have you're going to have the next three after game two. You're going to have the next three games in Arlington at Globe Life Park. So, uh, yeah, the way the Astros have been doing on the road, maybe that's what they need to do. But I still don't want them to get down th- uh, 2-0 and then have to go to Arlington for the next three because the Rangers would only have to win two out of three to win the series. Other thing
0: in this deal, what did you think of Dusty pitching both Narris and Abreu? I mean, you, you felt like you were in this game, but if you use both of those guys then it's going to be hard for those two guys because you got an afternoon game tomorrow. So those guys, if you need them tomorrow, they're coming back on a really short rest.
1: That's true. I I think what he was trying to do is hold it where it was because, you know, the offense was struggling. And if they'd gotten, you know, one or two more runs, made it three or four to nothing, at that time you thought, well, it's definitely out of reach. And, you know, you even have to think coming into the ninth inning at two to nothing, It didn't look like the Astros were going to do anything. But I think his main objective, Robert, especially with Abreu, you know, he didn't throw that many pitches. Now, Naris did. But possibly Abreu could come out for another inning tomorrow. I I don't have his exact pitch count, but he got out of that inning pretty quick. But I think that the main reason was he wanted to keep that lead right where it was and at least give the offense a chance, you know, to maybe do something crazy in the bottom of the ninth because they've done it before. But it obviously just didn't work out.
0: Dusty, by the way, was asked in the postgame, was it too early to pinch hit for and Mal- Martin Maldonado in that bases loaded situation? And he said, it's far too early. It's the fourth inning. You don't change your catcher in the middle of the game like that in a 2 nothing game. Of course, we know that Maldi and Justin Verlander are joined at the hip. So maybe Justin Verlander would have killed Dusty if he did that. It's a situation, though, where at that point, I kind of wanted to leave him to leave Maldy in because Maldy was three for four. He
1: he had success against nobody else was having success against Montgomery. <laughs> At least he had a history of it. Yeah, yeah. I I really don't think that really made a difference in the game. I must admit I was a little surprised because you know I think in one of the previous podcasts that we did, one of the previous post game shows, we talked about that. You know, and and I even said I don't think you're going to pull Maldy in a close game like this and put Yonder Diaz behind the plate. Well. He did it tonight. Of course, the Astros were behind, but it was only two to nothing. It was still a game, but you just never know. I mean, Dusty actually did something that surprised me, something we've been talking about all year long. And just when we were least expecting it, he did it. How are you feeling about the pitching matchup tomorrow? You got Fromber against Uvalde, correct? Yep, that is correct. Uh Fromber's going to go in game two, and Nathan Yovaldi has is been pitching pretty well for the Rangers. I mean, they've I, – I mean, the Astros, I think, typically have done pretty well against Yovaldi, but, you know, you, you kind of have to throw some of that out the window and talk about what they've been doing lately. And uh, I think it's – you know, Fromber has got to bounce back, Robert. We can't afford another shaky start like what he had. And if the Astros get behind early like that, well, it's going to be another very tough night for them, I think. Yeah,
0: I mean, you, you can't fall behind 2-0. I mean, you just can't do that against this no. team. This team's red hot
1: right now. And No matter how be... good of a road team you are, it, yeah, you just don't want to go down 2-0 in a series like that. Yeah, the Astros are going to have to bounce back in
0: a hurry. It's a Monday afternoon game. I'll be interested to see how the crowd is, Stephen, especially on a Monday, on an afternoon. Yeah. Uh Maybe uh, we should make this a Houston holiday so we can get – the fans are a little bit more psyched up for it, but I'm sure everybody's bought the tickets that are going to buy the tickets. So it'll be interesting to see like what what the atmosphere is like on a Monday afternoon game for a playoff ALCS. It, it, it's the Rangers, so we're trying to make this thing into a rivalry, it seems like. Or, you know, there's there's a rivalry, it seems like, on the artist formerly known as Twitter with Astros <laughs> fans and Rangers fans. But yeah. I don't really, I don't really sense that this is like because of how much the Rangers have struggled in the last decade that I just don't get the sense that this is like really, you know, even Seattle, you know, that's become a huge rivalry because those yeah. teams, those two teams getting fights and there's inside pitches and all that. The Rangers, it's just kind of like a patty cake rivalry at this point. I don't know what you were
1: talking Yeah. About. Over the years, certainly. And, you know, back when the Rangers, when they went, you know, in the ALCS, what, in 2011 and 2012, well, the Astros weren't even in the American League then. I mean, that's how long ago that's been. I think, you know, with a series like this, maybe that will bring it closer to home. And if the Rangers continue to be competitive in the next few years, which I think they will be with some of the guys they have coming up, and the Astros continue to be competitive, I think it can happen. You know, certainly meeting in a series like this would do it. But, boy, the game tonight, you know, there, there were – I know in some games in the regular season between these two teams – there were some uh, you know, pretty feisty things going on. The bench is cleared in one game, and you know, but you didn't see any of that in game one of this series. Now, that may change in the next few games, but the rivalry aspect, I think a lot of it is with the fans as much as anything else because the players, they just want to focus on winning the game, but there are certain teams that go against each other that even the players don't like each other. Maybe that'll happen at some point with the Astros and Rangers. I don't know. There is a really good sample
0: size. You mentioned Uvalde against the Astros, a really good sample size, uh, 229 plate appearances, 207 at-bats. The Astros have hit 266 with an 857 OPS against Nathan Uvalde. That is the second-best rate in the American League OPS-wise that that Uvalde, second-worst that Uvalde has against anybody. So that's just kind of worth noting as we go to this game tomorrow. And, you know, Fromber, y- y- we knew the Astros were not going anywhere without Fromber, Steven. I right. mean, that's, we, you're not going to win anything. So obviously you need Fromber to come, come through with a big
1: performance. He can't have two bad ones to start the playoffs. Well, I think usually that this does happen when Fromber has a bad start. I mean, he has been known in the past to come back with a much stronger start you certainly need it on Monday afternoon because that's, that's just going to be big. And, yeah, the numbers against Juvaldi, I didn't have them in front of me, but I knew we've roughed him up several times, even in the playoffs, I think, one year. What was it, 2019? It was one of those years that we got to him in the postseason. So we just have to hope that history continues to repeat itself uh, and, and the, the Astros can just jump out on him early and then Fromber to bear down, and that's how you're going to tape game two. Kobe says, if the Rangers win this series, I'll fear them next year with a
0: healthy pitching staff. Yeah, I mean, if if Jacob deGrom is ever healthy, and if Max Scherzer Scherzer isn't over the hill, I mean, this is a guy that's old, just like Justin Verlander, and I don't know how much longer he's got. So, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about him.
1: Yeah, let's talk about Scherzer a bit, because they did put him on the roster for this series. I don't know if you saw that. If they did that, that must mean he's going to pitch in some capacity. I can't imagine that they would just put him on as a figurehead, even if it means him coming out of the bullpen. So Scherzer could actually be available for this series, despite the fact that he's been injured for the past several weeks. But you're right. Yeah, the the way the pitching has been going, you know, even without those guys in there, I mean, that's what's scary about it. Montgomery has probably been, you know, even more than Scherzer, been the best trade acquisition the Rangers got when they got him from the Cardinals. Any thoughts on the postseason roster? Jake Myers out and Ronald Blanco is in? Not too surprising. I mean, Jake Myers didn't even play in the ALDS. I, I think the, the thinking, from what I heard Dana Brown say on the, the radio Astros radio pregame show, one of the reasons they brought Ronald Blanco on is just, you know, to give some more longer relief, especially that, you know, he could, if needed, pitch a couple of innings every couple of days if, if necessary. Now, I know, you know, we're still waiting for Ronald Blanco to really break out and do something, he had a last great month of the season in Sugarland, but I mean, that's Sugarland. It's not the major leagues and you put him into a postseason season type situation. You know, it's such an unknown. You don't know what he's going to do, but I think, you know, in a series, a seven game series, you've got to have 13 pitchers really. And taking Jake Myers off the roster. Okay. Yeah. You might have, you know, had him as a base runner in the eighth or ninth inning, but that's about it. And I think the Astros can do without that. So it didn't really surprise me too much. I mean, I don't know who else the Astros could have gone to to add another pitcher to the roster that really would have been much better, especially in the role that I think they're thinking about with with Blanco.
0: Yeah, here's my deal. Jake Myers is a great base runner. He has an elite skill late innings. John Singleton is not elite at anything. And frankly, if I want somebody up at the plate late in the game, For some reason, if you get to the point where it's a John Singleton or a Jake, I would rather have Jake Myers. I don't see the value, again, of having John Singleton on the postseason roster. And if I missed it, I'm sorry. But from last I saw, he's still there. Greg Kessinger. Yeah, I think that was the
1: only move they made was was to take Myers off and add Blanco in.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. And, yeah, he's still there. Greg Kessinger is still there. Frankly, I just – like, you're telling me Greg Kessinger – and John Singleton have more value than Jake Myers. I, I don't. I just don't get it.
1: Well, I did hear something about Gray Kessinger, and and this is a reach. I, I get it, but, you know, this is what I have heard, that they've actually been working Gray Kessinger out as an emergency third catcher so that if something did happen, you know, where Maldi gets hurt or Diaz gets hurt, you know, and, and one of the other of them, or let's say both of them go down, you know, or then you've got Kessinger as an emergency <laughs> that doesn't give you a lot of confidence. Singleton, yeah. I, I mean, if you if you stack up Myers against Singleton, it doesn't make a lot of sense that Singleton hasn't done anything. Um, but Myers, you know, he's been so hot and cold at the plate. But yeah, if I'm going to choose between the two to come up in a pinch hit situation late in the game, I'll take Myers, definitely. Final thoughts,
0: Stephen. What else do you got for this one? I, I'm sure fans are just kind of now have to wait and it's going to be, a, it's going to feel like a long wait, even though it's just a tomorrow afternoon, but what's your final thoughts on this?
1: Well, I, I think that is a key is that they don't have to wait too long. It's not going to be another night game, you know, that could play to the Astros advantage or that you just come back in the afternoon. Maybe you do a little better. I, I mean, the Astros in, in day games have done pretty well, except on Sundays, just don't play on Sunday day games anymore for right now, at least for the last two weeks. But yeah, I, I think that's a key, Robert, just, come out in the afternoon, have a short rest, get this thing going, win game two, and then you got the next three, you at least feel better going one-to-one to to Arlington where the Astros have fared well on the road, even with raucous fans. I mean, listen, the fans in Arlington can't be any worse than Yankee Stadium or Philly fans, so I don't think that's going to scare the Astros any. And you know what? This team, is they have a habit of having their backs against the wall, Robert. I mean, I was in a bad mood in the last couple of innings, but listen, this isn't the first time this team has done this. They are noteworthy for coming back and playing a lousy game and then following it up with a performance that gets them the win. So I'm still optimistic that they can go in and take game two. If you missed it, go
0: back and check out our Texans live post-game show. It's up on audio now as well, so you can listen to it on your favorite podcast app, but the video is there on YouTube. So either way, go check it out. Me and Sean break down the entire game. It's almost an hour of the Texans post game show. It's a lot more positive than this one was. There was actually some <laughs> fun moments and some good stuff, and there was a win at the end. So uh, we will be back. Me and Steven will be back for all the Astros post game shows. That is the plan at the moment. So, barring catastrophe, me and him will continue to bring you live post game shows for the Astros. So, Keep an eye out for that. Tell your friends, tell your co-workers, tell your uh, mom and dad and grandpa and grandma and uh, Uncle Susie and whoever else needs to know. But uh, Uncle Susie. Oh, that's different. <laughs> yeah. Well, just just tell everybody. Just seeing, if, just seeing if anybody's still awake at uh, almost 11 o'clock. Uh, we, we will talk to you later. Uh, have a good night, everyone. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.